0: With the average age of advisors still hovering in the 50s, the good news is that millennials are joining the business, but for different reasons than you might imagine. What are those qualities, and what can you learn from them? We'll find out on this episode of Shift Shapers. Change either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers Podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change that you want to see. Here's your host and Chief Transformation Strategist, David Saltzman. This episode of the Shift Shapers Podcast is brought to you by Captivated Health, a captive insurance arrangement designed specifically for educational institutions. If you have clients in that vertical, you know the healthcare deck has been stacked against them. Today, Captivated Health offers the stability, control, and savings they've been waiting for. For more information, go to www.captivatedhealth.com or click on the company logo on the Shift Shapers website. On this episode of Shift Shapers, we're speaking with Stephen Griswold. Stephen is president of a multi-generational firm called Griswold and Griswold. And one of Stephen's passions is how to attract younger folks into the business. And that's of keen concern to all of us. And we're going to explore that and, and some other interesting stories as we go along in this episode with that. Welcome, Stephen.
1: Hi, hi. thank you for
0: having me, David. Our pleasure. So I cannot, we talked offline, I can't start this podcast without you telling this story because we, we all get into the industry in very different ways and sometimes it's a circuitous route. Could you relay the story of how your dad got into the industry and started the agency?
1: Oh, of course. It's one of my favorite stories to tell. So it all started uh, back in uh, the 1940s. Uh, my dad was uh, in his early 20s. He had uh, his one of his first jobs out of diaper delivery truck driver. And on his routes, he noticed that a lot, of course, he he's delivering... Um, to, to new parents and found that there is a good opportunity to cross-sell by selling a life insurance to these new parents and started doing pretty pretty well on that route and wanted to follow one of his other passions, which is healthcare. So he never had the the grades to make it into med school, but he always admired doctors, always wanted to to be around the healthcare industry. So he he would go over to USC Medical School and walk right into the, the building and start bothering all the residents to get disembodied and life insurance and so this is this is in the 50s where you could get away with that sort of thing. And he got kicked out by security, came back later, uh, got kicked out again enough times that they barred him from campus. My dad, always being a very, very persistent individual, went uh, became a reserve sheriff for LA County, returned to campus with his, uh, his uniform and badge. And uh, since he outranked the security guards and was there on quote unquote official business, they had to leave him alone and kept on selling that way
0: what a great story and and so that evolved into starting the agency
1: yeah he start he started the agency and we're coming up on a 70 years pretty soon
0: that's amazing that's great now you, your path was not intended to kind of wend you into the insurance business either
1: no no nothing nothing close I graduated college and my, my passion had always been cooking and achieved my dream by by taking a uh, acing the test at Le Cordon Bleu in Pasadena, got set up, got my uniform and was about to start when my dad called me and said, hey, I, I know you're going to be going to cooking school, but I really need your help at the office. We're short staffed. If you could just defer your enrollment. Work for me for the summer. I'll pay for your cooking school after that's done. And I'm like, well, how can I pass that up? Like, you know, I, you know, a couple more years of free education, I'll take it. So I uh, joined the firm right out of college. Started working there for the summer, which turned into fall, which turned into two more years. When I realized I wasn't leaving, so, and it's been about almost 17 years now.
0: Now you came to a transition point in the agency one, one, once you were there for a while when your dad passed away, and. Some unexpected things happen that kind of, I think, have shaped the future of your agency and how you think about bringing people into the business. Would you relay that story?
1: Sure. So my dad passed away rather abruptly in 2006. So it was about a week before my first marriage. And so I, I had, uh, you know, the, the saddest and the happiest uh, moments of my time separate within within the span of a week. After the dust died down, I, I kind of sat down and had to reformulate how, how I did everything because I got brought in to, you know, obviously my dad had been grooming me to take over the business, but he had mostly spent the time we had together introducing me to clients and getting me acclimated with the environment and not so much any of the other factors, such as, you know, being able to be an effective salesperson or how to run the basics of a business. And so all of that pretty much fell into my lap. And on top of that, we had a partner of ours who's a benefits broker call me up two weeks after after the fact and say, hey, kid, I know you, you and my da- uh, you, me and your dad had a uh, referral relationship going, but uh, since he's gone, I'm going to take my toys and leave, so to speak. And he took about a, a good percentage of our, our book of business, brokered it out. And at that point, I was helpless because I, I didn't know that I could have done anything about it. So I just had to uh, put myself by, up by the bootstraps and figure out how to keep the agency carrying on my way, which was not a way to not sales-based because I'm terrible at sales and I don't like it. And I had to figure out how to, how to make this uh, a more consultative approach. So is,
0: is that when, was that the, the fulcrum, if you will, or the tipping point where you determined that you needed to start bringing some younger folks into the agency?
1: Yeah, I I started in two thousand nine. I started doing P and C, and I I taught myself that from scratch. And I found that the older mentors I had available to me in the industry were were very close minded in how they approach things and, and very traditional. And I had a couple people that were closer to my age that were in that were in the industry in, in different agencies, and they they kind of helped mentor me and get me set get me set on the P and C side, and. I realized that that's why, while I appreciate the mentorship of the older generation the work ethic and everything there's something about the the pioneering and entrepreneurial aspect of my generation and and the generation of millennials that really is conducive to to change and effectiveness in this industry so ever since then I mean we we've, we've hired people who are who are vastly younger than the the what you usually find in insurance agency and been able to groom several agents into their own success and been able to shepherd other other agency owners into bigger and better things.
0: So there are some key generational differences. I mean, in the 30s, 40s and 50s, we hired hands. They were just they were kind of workers. And then in the 60s, we transitioned to hiring hearts and minds. But millennials and even some Gen Xers have kind of a different way of looking at business. What are some of the key things that are important to that cohort that that draw them into the business?
1: So people, especially millennials, are, aren't especially money driven. They're they're typical, very often cause driven, very often self worth driven. They want to make they want to do something that makes them feel good. They want to be able to make a difference. They want to be able to find a cause to get behind. But, you know, of course, you know, money, money is important, but they, they like more independence than prior generations did. They, they seek, they seek that out. They seek more validation. So it's a variety of factors that really, you know, the younger generation is looking for that, you know, we're, we're finding that certain industries have to adapt to be able to provide.
0: So let's explore some of those in a little bit more detail. And the first thing that you, you mentioned was that they tend to be cause driven. What do you mean by that?
1: So, a younger generation, and, and you know a lot of my generation included, we like to ch- you know champion causes, so we like to find something to stand for and rally support behind it or let people know that this is something we believe in. I think there, there's one of the most recent ways you could see this happening is like look at how quickly and how effectively the anti net neutrality bill was propagated through you know through various Outlets, I mean, every single outlet, every single person on Facebook posted something like that, posted something about net neutrality because it's a cause you can get behind. This, I, I, I attribute the the rise of veganism, you know, disclaimer, I am, I am a, I'm a vegan of six years. I find that a lot of millennials are very, because this is a cause-based lifestyle, a lot of millennials are very attracted to it because it's something that they can take and, and make their own as part of who they are. You know, one of the other things
0: that you you mentioned was that they're not particularly money-driven, and yet we're in a business work that's kind of how you keep score. So how does that balance? How do you justify that?
1: Well, I, I think it's finding ways to get people engaged and, you know, fairly compensated without making it necessarily a race or a competition. Because a lot of times we see in especially larger companies where sales are, competition-based or, you know, the compensation is is based on sales volume. And I'm finding that a lot of my peers and a lot of younger people that kind of end up in these jobs get exhausted very quickly because it's competing for money isn't necessarily something they want.
0: And now a word from our sponsor. Captivated Health is a single source solution for your clients and prospects who are in the education vertical. The founders of Captivated Health have nearly 20 years' experience working with educational institutions, and over that time, they've developed a keen understanding of the unique problems these clients experience. Frustrated by a lack of control, the unpredictability of ever-increasing health care costs, and the pressures and regulations of the Affordable Care Act, these groups have been adrift in the fully insured commercial marketplace until now. Captivated Health has built a program that solves those problems, and it does so with virtually no disruption to faculty and staff, while saving clients millions of dollars. We wanted you to be among the first to know that Captivated Health is building a national distribution partner network so you can bring this cutting-edge solution to the educational clients you advise. To learn more about the Captivated Health solution, go to their website at www.captivatedhealth.com or click on their logo on the Shift Shapers website. And now, back to our interview. That's interesting. One of the other things, and I'd like to really kind of explore all, all of these characteristics that you listen to, because I think they're fascinating, is you said that they seek validation. What does that mean? Can you give us an example?
1: So, you know, the cynical view of it is that they like being coddled right a lot of people say oh well these millennials they want to be they want to be, I, I don't like using that this term because it's, it's gained some toxicity but you know the the term snowflake right people want to be felt made felt special but that it's a little bit different than that, that millennials like knowing that they are contributing something specific and something valuable to the company and they like being Uh, acknowledged as such. And where, you know, being in a large call center or being a a, sitting in a cubicle all day doesn't really feel like something that is letting them express their individuality and make a difference. So being able to find ways to reward and recognize the sectors is pretty important.
0: Beyond the normal kind of sales recognition, not the thermometer on the whiteboard kind of thing, because you said they're not, they're not particularly money driven, right? So you'd have to find other ways. What what might work in that kind of a concept? How would you, if you were bringing some folks in who were that that cohort, how would you structure something like that? What, would, what might it look like?
1: I mean, like, so, like, you know, recognition on social media or, you know, some sort of, I have to think about how, how you know, other ways to do it. But yeah, like a, a notch on a whiteboard or like a just a gold star or something is, isn't going to cut it. But being able to publicly and socially recognize this individual for their contributions or, being able to find a way to make their import more valuable is more rewarding than, than just, you know, oh, you know, your are salesperson of the month.
0: Interesting, because that's the obviously the culture that I came up in. And so that's a very, very different way to, to look at the universe. So how do you find these individuals? Are they out in other fields? Are they coming out of college? How do you find them? And what's the pitch?
1: So it's interesting. A lot of them come in, same, you know, similar ways to how many of us entered the industry, which is accidentally. They they just kind of fall into it out of college or get recruited by an associate and find that they just have a natural knack for dealing with insurance. And you know, the most and then most of them I get through uh, through networking. I'm I'm on the board of uh, the Vanguard Council, which is a, a kind of a young professionals chapter of the Los Angeles area h- health underwriters. So. Through that, I'm able to meet many, many uh, younger, younger agents or younger carrier representatives. And, you know, I just my peers that I interact with, a lot of them have people that they know that are interested in the industry. Is the notion that we don't talk about it a lot anymore, and, and I think we really should that insurance
0: helps people. Does that help fulfill the social cause driven part of what motivates these folks?
1: It does because you know, traditionally we've viewed insurance, or at least companies have viewed insurance as a, a product, a commodity to sell. So we've, for decades, approached insurance as a thing to sell. And the what I the approach I take, and approach that I'm seeing a lot of other young agents take, is that this is insurance solves a problem, and we're going from se- selling for need to to selling to to solving problems, where we are. Getting into what are the pain points for your industry or your, your position and, or your company, and what can we do in the realm of, what, of, of the products we have to offer, which uh, you know, is going from less product-based to more insure-tech-based, for example, and uh, how can we solve this problem for you and be your hero?
0: But do you think that it's responsible in part for the shift in the industry nomenclature from salesperson to advisor?
1: Yeah, I think that's I think that's appropriate because we're you know we we are really focusing less on, you know, closing deals and we're seeing kind of a backlash against those agents who can who try to sell no matter what to generating positive relationships and finding creative solutions to problems.
0: If I'm an an old-line agency and I use that in a very endearing kind of way, such as your firm, which is a which is a very old established firm, How do you then go about, you decide, okay, I want to, we need to bring some younger folks into this particular agency. How does one start that process?
1: There's plenty of people looking to get into the industry. Just you know, if you if you put you know go through any sort of standard hiring process, you're going to get people in their 20s and early 30s looking to get into the agency or side or carrier side, or you know just through networking. A lot of people said, "Well, I, you know, my my you know kid needs a job and and some direction." And so that's you know there, there's there's plenty of recruitment opportunities available. And to, to make it attractive to the to these individuals, you know, again, you have to find some sort of, you know, cost for your agency to stand for. I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to transition into a nonprofit or or anything, but find something that gives reason for that person to be there other than selling insurance. And even if you don't, if you can't really adjust the, the course of the ship to support a cause, if you can, if you can support, you know, the advisor type of role versus sales, I, th- I think that's going to help quite a bit.
0: Is corporate social responsibility also something that's a, a key to attracting this particular group of folks?
1: I think so. My agency is a uh, one of uh, only a handful of certified B corporations in the U.S., and I've you know that alone has attracted quite a few, quite a bit of interest just from that point and because a corporate social responsibility infers that you are at least in some forms supporting or shaping a cause. That's definitely very, very attractive to the the millennial generation because this generation is raised in an aura where big business is bad, right? We if we, we look at everything that is perceived as bad or evil in the world and is backed by a large corporation, right? So you have like. Big dairy, or big telecom, or big tobacco, and you know, so we're we're seeing a a big wave of anti-capital capitalist feelings, and by having corporate social responsibility, we're we're able to kind of shift the tide back in the other direction, saying, "Hey, businesses can do good now."
0: So you can be an anti-capitalist capitalist and feel good about it. Yeah, I suppose so. Ah, Interesting. We've got about a minute or two left, and we ask sometimes this question. And I'd like to get your take on this. Where do you see the future? What do you see the next four, five, ten years looking like? Oh, That's interesting.
1: I see the trends that are that are emerging to they're going to continue. We're going to see continued shift in idealist in idealist economy, where we're going to see more people, you know, focus on corporate social responsibility. We're going to see people who are doing things the, the, you know the old way or dirty capitalism kind of getting washed out. you know we're kind of seeing this in, in many industries now where there's a big trend to exposing bad business practices or, or old and antiquated business practices. And we're of course you know, as, as many of us on this podcast are aware that we're seeing a huge wave of development in sure tech. so people being able to keep up with this new technology are going to be very, very important.
0: A great place to end our chat for today, Stephen Griswold, President of Griswold and Griswold. Stephen, thanks so much for sharing your expertise with our audience. Well, thanks for having me, David. The Shift Shapers podcast is a production of Strategic Vision Publishing and David Saltzman. This podcast may not be reproduced in any form, in whole or in part, without the express written permission of the producers. All rights reserved.